Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish and Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the fourth Sunday in Lent, and we hear from one of our seminarians, Jack Baloli, as he preached from the lectionary, which was John chapter 9, verses 1 to 41. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. The sequence of Sunday Gospel readings that we've been moving through this Lent is a sequence that we inherit from one of the most ancient Lenten lectionaries of the Roman Church. It's specifically a lectionary for the catechumenate, a set of readings designed for people preparing for their baptism, for their entry into the church traditionally celebrated at the Easter Vigil. Now, maybe getting people to be upstanding for a whole, long, difficult chapter of John's Gospel week after week isn't the best advert for joining the church. (laughs) Maybe it's a true picture of what life in the church sometimes feels like, though. (laughs) But it honors the reason for which John says, at the very end of his Gospel, he wrote his book. He wrote it, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that through believing you may have life in his name. John writes his gospel for people still on the threshold of believing in Jesus, not sure yet if they can make that baptismal confession that Jesus is God's son, or if they're already baptized, not sure if they really honor that belief and all that comes with it. John desperately wants his readers to cross that threshold, Their life itself, the eternal life in Jesus' name, depends on it. But the way he chooses to convince them is to tell stories in which unexpected people find themselves being drawn to faith. Nicodemus, the Samaritan woman, today the man blind from birth. All come to faith hesitantly, imperfectly, with the cost for their existing relationships made painfully clear with all the arguments with existing religious authorities very visible. And it's by seeing this shift happen again and again that we start to feel more assured in our faith. With this big picture in mind, I want to zoom down onto one phrase from the very end of today's reading. When Jesus says, I came into this world for judgment. That's a very different thing from saying, I came into this world to judge it. Jesus is certainly announcing a judgment, the judgment of this world, one that will implicate his followers and will have world-shaking effects. Those who do not see will see, and those who do see will become blind. Expectations will be upset, roles will be reversed. Our reading from the letter of the Ephesians this morning talked about things being exposed to the light anew. John wants his readers to have the faith in Jesus that will allow them to survive as the world changes around them. But on multiple occasions elsewhere in this gospel, Jesus explicitly says that he himself judges no one. What if it's more appropriate to say that Jesus came into the world to be judged, to be judged by it? John's Gospel is metaphorically structured all the way through as Jesus' trial. Different characters accuse Jesus or interrogate him or offer testimony on his behalf. 
even before his formal trial and execution in Jerusalem. But what if the judgment runs even deeper than that? What if Jesus continues to open himself to our judgment, to our own critical wrestling, to the difficulties that we have in claiming faith in him? I find this a useful way to confront some of the difficulties that I still have with today's reading. One is the treatment of blindness and the broader implication that stories like this one have for the church's and the world's attitude to disability. For all that we should note and celebrate Jesus' explicit teaching here that blindness is not the result of sin, nor of any lack of personal faith, maybe it should trouble us that blindness is here a lack that requires divine healing, with that healing an opportunity for God's work to be revealed. The blind man only becomes an agent in this story, and ultimately only becomes a disciple of Jesus once he is healed. Meanwhile, blindness continues to be associated metaphorically with the ignorance of Jesus' enemies, as if blindness is the worst possible expression of not knowing something. And Jesus' coming into the world doesn't seem to make a difference to this. It doesn't by itself imagine a world, the church for too long, hasn't imagined a world in which blind people are capable of doing something other than begging, of having their existing gifts and capacities recognized. I'm taking a lot of my reading here from the British biblical scholar John Hull, who started noting these elements of the Bible's healing miracles late in his career as he himself began to go blind. He chose to publish the new interpretation that came out of these discoveries as an open letter to Jesus. He needed to address his sighted savior directly, to call him to judgment, so that he could explore why he felt excluded from Jesus's good news. It was when he did this that Hull began to discover, to discover more things in the gospel that he hadn't recognized before. He noticed Jesus's warning that the disciples would soon no longer be able to see him that believing without seeing might be a kind of strength. He noticed, too, that Jesus enters a kind of solidarity with the blind during his torture, when he would be blindfolded and mocked for his sightlessness. One thing I've noticed in this story is how regaining sight isn't a frictionless benefit for the blind man. Healing brings its own difficulties. He can't point out the man who healed him, he faces prying questions. His parents become distant at the risk of being thrown out of the synagogue. His journey from blindness to sight is, in practice, much closer to the slow, compromised negotiation of social obstacles that disabled people and their allies still find themselves moving through in order to claim rights, dignity, and agency. And the works of God are being revealed in this, too. As we wrestle with the apparent insufficiencies of Jesus' finite actions within history, we find ourselves reflecting on the insufficiencies of the world that we live in and on how we might reimagine it to create the kind of world which we can have faith in, a world which really offers the life that Jesus promises. 
our patient judgment of Jesus is part of what makes possible the judgment of the world, its transformation into something new and liberative. The God of the universe is big enough to take our judgments. Indeed, he actively invites our judgment entering the world of judgment by coming into it as a human being and by trusting that the fullness of the Godhead can be revealed even in the slow, difficult work of interaction with other human beings, even within a divisive, exclusive society, because that's the only way we and the world we live in will be transformed. When we confess our baptismal faith this Easter, whether we're doing that for the first time or again after many faithful decades, we're simply promising to join in with God's deep faithfulness to that work of transformation, to be as open to judgment as Jesus, as ready for the new life that emerges from it.